Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. So if you guys are anything like me and you struggle with allergies, raise your hand because I am right there with you. I get super itchy throat, itchy ears, and I sneeze like a crazy woman. And it really does prevent me from wanting to take my daily walks with my husband. But luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. It is designed for serious allergy sufferers. Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieves your allergy symptoms and decongests your nose so you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes and an itchy nose and sinus congestion and pressure with an ease, which is a exactly what I need. So I have been using them anytime that I have allergies, which has been many, many times. I have found that it has definitely helped me so much where I can go outside again and enjoy my day. So if you guys are ready to live life as if you don't have allergies, it is time to live Claritin Clear. It is fast and powerful relief. It's just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Okay, what is something that you would tell your younger self? I would tell my younger self, oh man, so many things. Okay, so this is a good question because everybody wants to talk about this. So do you think that you are rushing the wedding? You don't want to enjoy being engaged. What is up, everybody, and welcome back to Happy and Healthy. I am your host, Janine Amapola, and happy Tuesday, if you are listening on a Tuesday. Um, Man, it is an honor to be a part of your week if you are hanging out with me. Sometimes you guys listen to these when you're cooking, when you're on a walk, when you're driving, whatever the case may be. It is so fun and an honor to be, you know, your friend and for you guys to want to hang out with me. So thank you, guys. So for me, it is a Thursday. As always, I usually film these on a Thursday. Um, I'm holding the microphone today. I didn't have it on the stand, so I'm sorry if you hear my hand moving. I felt it was more comfortable just to relax and sit and hold the microphone. So welcome back to the podcast. My name is Janine. I post these every Tuesday, like I said, and I'm really excited about today's episode because I'm going to be doing a Q&A. I told you guys for the month of July, I am doing only solo episodes, which you guys are loving so far. The last episode you guys loved. So thank you. Thank you for the feedback on that, the reposting, all the thoughts. Um, I'm glad that was a blessing. And we do have a voice memo. I'm glad I just remembered this. We do have a voice memo from a listener from last uh, episode who submitted a voice memo. So let me get that going for you guys. Hold on, because I really do love to feature these. Okay, so today's voice memo is from a listener, Christina. Thank you so much, Christina. Hey, Janine. I just wanted to reach out and um, just let you know that your most recent episode really touched me. I mean, I was legit at the gym today while listening to your episode about singleness, and I just started tearing up. Um, I really felt the Holy Spirit speaking through you, um, the wisdom, the compassion that you had. Um, just everything, um, that you were pouring out into this episode just really touched me and it really was like an answered prayer. 
especially in the season of singleness. So I just want to thank you. Thank you for your obedience. Thank you for uh, using your platform to reach out to many women such as myself who are in this season and not really happy about it or struggling or whatever the case is. So um, I just pray that the Lord continues to bless you. He blesses um, your marriage and just everything that you do and just continue to do everything with excellence um, as a Proverbs 31 woman would. So God bless you. I love you. And yeah, have a great day. Bye. I love it. Thank you so much, Christina. That means the world to me. That's so kind. And I'm just like, it's just so cool knowing that the words that God gave me is a blessing to you guys. So I'm really really thankful for that. (laughs) You guys can always submit those. The link is down below. I do love listening to those. So for today's episode, we are going to be doing a QA. and a and you guys popped off as always. I'm going to be going on my Instagram and I'm going to be reading through a lot of these questions. Now there are quite a bit, so I'm super sorry if you, you know, submitted one and I did not answer it. I will always try to do Q and A, so you can always still submit these. Also, if you're watching the YouTube video and the Spotify, you can see that I changed the color of the neon sign because I'm wearing a bright green shirt today. And I was like, you know what? I just want to neutralize the color and make the shirt just be the, 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 moment. You know what I mean? (laughs) That's just stupid. That's just my thought process. Anyway, so um, I did change the sign and I thought it was kind of fun. So let's just get right into today's episode of answering y'all's juicy questions. And hopefully I have some wisdom for you guys in some of these answers. I did not prepare literally anything. So I'm sorry if this is not as eloquent as it should be. Okay, let's do this. The first question is, does Caleb like cats? If so, would y'all get one? So Caleb does not really like cats. I wish he did. That should be honestly my number one red flag for him. He doesn't mind them, but he's he's never grown up with cats. He grew up with a mini like dachshund, which he's begging me to get. I'm a more I'm more of a cat person. He's more of a dog person, which I know this can't be like the stereotypical answer, but I do feel like that tends to happen. Girls usually like cats more than guys. That's at least been the reoccurring theme for me in my life with people I know. But um, he's not necessarily opposed to it. But the only issue is he now I don't want to call him a liar, but he claims he's allergic to cats, which I'm like, are you? Because he's been around some other cats and he's been fine. So I'm like, hmm. That's a little sus if you ask me. No, but he really does say he's allergic to cats. And I want to get two cats. I want to probably get like two little like fluffy white cats, maybe like a ragdoll cat. One day right now we're chilling because we don't know what life is going to look like quite yet. But that would be such an ideal. How do you know if the Lord is calling you to a particular to a particular career? Great question. Now, I obviously cannot speak for everyone's situation, but Typically, when you feel like the Lord is speaking to you and highlighting something to you, you'll start to feel something stirring in your spirit where maybe you wouldn't have felt that a a while ago or a long time ago. And you're starting to feel like, huh, like this is interesting. Or you start to feel intrigued by it. Or people are starting to highlight like, oh man, I could really see you being great in blank. Or it just makes sense. Or you have prayed about it or maybe you've been praying about it for a while and it just keeps popping back up. Or you've gotten a dream, or maybe someone has spoken over you like, hey, have you ever considered being in this blank field? And maybe you didn't really consider it before, but now all of a sudden you're like, 
wait, whoa, how did that person know that I was like interested in that? You know what I mean? So I think there's a couple ways that the Lord can be telling you, but you also want to ultimately just seek God's peace. And sometimes it doesn't make sense. Like I think sometimes there is a little bit of a misconception when you are trying to understand God's voice that it always only comes in the form of peace. I do think that the the Lord will show you and it comes in the form of peace. But usually when God is leading you somewhere, it, it requires you to do things that you wouldn't normally put yourself into because us as being mere mere humans, we're always going to seek whatever's comfortable, whatever is safe. So God is going to have you step out of your comfort zone in the Bible, like Abraham laying down Isaac or Peter stepping out of the boat, like things that are scary that you're like, "I I don't know if I can do this because it requires faith. And like, that is part of being a Christian is requiring faith. And so if it requires you to trust in the Lord more, it grows your relationship in the Lord more. It requires some step, some, some steps of faith and boldness. It usually can be from the Lord because I think often what we want to do is we always want to go with what we feel is comfortable, what we feel is best, but usually that's not God. Like God isn't necessarily a God of comfort. Yes. He comforts you, but our lifestyles as a Christian usually aren't always very comfortable. So maybe it does require you to take a pay cut. Maybe it does require you to move somewhere or date someone you wouldn't normally date. But usually when you feel the Lord is calling you to something, it's pinging on your heart. You feel gifted in it. You feel ready for it, even though you may be scared, but it will require some faith. So those are just some of my thoughts on that. And hopefully that provides a good answer. Okay. What is something that you would tell your younger self? I would tell my younger self, oh man, so many things. Okay. Two things. One, I wish I told my younger self, like, just like who you are. I think I grew up with so much identity issues and things that I just really didn't like about myself. And I wish I would look back like like now that I'm 29 years old, I wish I could look back at like 12 year old Janine and be like, Hey, I know you aren't fully developed in your body yet. You may not like yourself yet. You may not be fully comfortable in your skin, but one day you will be. And one day you will see that God designed you exactly the way he wanted you to be. He didn't make a mistake. You were fearfully and wonderfully made. He wanted to create you to represent your culture and your family. And you did, you weren't born in the wrong family and you're beautiful the way you are. And you don't need to stuff your bra or you don't need to dye your hair, all these crazy colors to be liked, or you don't have to talk a certain way or fake certain things to make people like you. And so I just wish my younger self knew that my identity in Christ is all that matters. I don't think I knew that. I think I tried to do anything and everything to conform and to fit in and to be liked. And I think that is most high schoolers and usually most college students. But I think if I was just secure in my identity of me being like, nope, I know who I am. I know who God has called me to be. And no one else is going to give me identity, my identity besides the Lord. Like I wouldn't go to all these different places of money or status or boys or clothing or sports or anything to try to validate myself. So I think that was be, be for sure one thing I would tell myself. And number two, I think I just wish I didn't focus so much on boys in high school. Like I know that's fun and all and everything, but I wish I just focused on more like just getting my grades, mastering cheerleading down and being a really, really good friend and investing my time back into my ministry. I was doing all those things in high school. Like I was doing sports. I was, um, I had good friends. I was serving at my local like youth group, but I think I was so consumed by boys that 
it just distracted. You know what I mean? I still was a decent student, but I think a boy, specifically one boy, distracted a little bit. So I think those are just be two things is like get busy being a good student, a good leader at your youth group, a good friend and focus on who God has called you to be. This question says, what are my thoughts on tattoos? So I am not against tattoos. Personally, they're not totally for me. I don't personally really like them, but I'm never going to condemn somebody that has them. I know that there's some scripture of people being like, the Bible says don't get tattoos. Now, I personally believe that's the old covenant. I think that's the old laws. When you're under a new covenant, those laws are erased. And I do think if you are going to get a, get a tattoo, like make it meaningful, make it something that will help share the gospel or it's something really meaningful to you. Because I think a lot of people, at least I've seen, they either go get a tattoo when they're drunk or they're like on an impulse and they're like, woo, like let's go get tattoos. Yeah. And they end up regretting it or they're on a trip with all their friends and all their friends are like, should we get a tattoo? And they're like, yeah. And you make an impulse decision on a permanent decision. You know what I mean? So I think that's something you really want to process through and pray through that if you are going to get a, get a tattoo, pray about it. Ask, ask the Lord, what do you think about this? What tattoo would minister to somebody? What would possibly spark a conversation to share the gospel? Um, and personally for me, like, obviously I can't tell you what to do with your body, but I also just don't think they look very good when you get in like your fifties and sixties. Now for some people that's cool with them. But they're just at such a personal preference. Like that's my hot take probably is that I just don't really like tattoos. Now there were a couple times where I did almost impulse get a tattoo. I've always wanted this one specific tattoo, which is an ocean wave because I felt the Lord has spoken to me so so much through the ocean at the ocean, even with my relationship with Caleb, um, the Lord spoke to me in a prophecy with the ocean. So the ocean means so much to me. So I'm never going to say never say never with a tattoo. Like if I were to get one, it would be super, super tiny and small, but it wouldn't be like this, like massive stamp on me where, you know, it's like this, you know what I mean? Like I'd want it to be very delicate, dainty, and like a little bit of a hidden place. Caleb doesn't like tattoos. Uh, he doesn't really want me to get one, but he would support me if I did. He doesn't have any. So for me, I'm just like, really, really like, think about it before you do it. It's not my opinion to tell, or not my place to tell you what to do, but I would pray before making such a life-altering decision on your body because it, your body does change and it does have the power to you know, have people ask you questions. So make it meaningful if you can. Listen, guys, Janine and I have been married for six months. And the reason why it is a beautiful marriage, it's because of Thrive Market. Thrive Market, thank you so much for sponsoring this episode. We genuinely love you so much because of Thrive Market. We're able to save so much time through ordering all our grocery and household essentials through the app or website. Uh, guys, it's just a huge stress relief and you guys also know I have gut issues, like really, really, really bad. So finding, you know, food with top quality ingredients is super crucial for me. And Thrive Market not only does that, but they restrict a, over a thousand harmful ingredients like artificial flavors, high fructose corn syrup, and a lot more. And guys, when, if you're parents and you have, you need to find organic kid snack, they have low sugar alternatives and high protein essentials. Jenny and I are also training for our marathon, so it is so beneficial, and we can find all of our protein options and snacks through Thrive Market. And guys, save time and money and shop Thrive Market today. Go to thrivemarket.com slash healthy for 30% off your order, plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash healthy, thrivemarket.com slash healthy.
Would you homeschool your kids being that you were homeschooled? Good question. So I'm not exactly sure what I want to do. I hated growing up being home homeschooled, like where we literally would go downstairs and we would do schooling in our living room. That was like fun, like a fun way for my siblings and I to bond. But I feel like the education wasn't the best as well as like building discipline because when I ended up going to like an actual homeschool co-op, which a co-op is where you basically go like, sorry, I'm like, I'm so out of breath today. I don't know why. It's taking me like longer to get deeper breaths. When I went to my actual homeschool co-op where you go two to three times a week and people are still teaching you, it's basically like a normal school. It's just smaller and it's a Christian one. And it's a little bit more like um, sheltered. So I did like that because I was never around drugs or alcohol or like sex or partying. But the, the problem kind of with that is that I was never around it to where when I went to college, it was such like a stark difference that I like freaked out and was like, oh my gosh, like this is so different. So it's something I want to pray through. I definitely think I'll, especially like elementary, middle school, I'll probably put my kids in a homeschool co-op and then eventually put them into like a regular school, private or public. I just want it to have Christian values. I don't want my kids to be indoctrinated with things that I don't agree with. And I just want to be careful what my kids are being taught. So I don't exactly have this fleshed out. I'm not against like fully homeschooling, but I wouldn't want to be like the main teacher. Like I'd rather them do a co-op where they can still have sports, have friends and have teachers pouring into them, teaching them things that maybe I'm not good at. You know what I mean? Okay. So this is a good question because everybody wants to talk about this. So do you think that you are rushing the wedding? You don't want to enjoy being engaged. This is something that's kind of been a little frustrating because I think a lot of people are asking and they're like, why are you going so fast? Blah, blah, blah. To me, I don't feel like I'm going too fast. Yes. Most people have a year long engagement. That's just not something that we want to do specifically for the lifestyle I have right now. And there's current things I haven't even shared that I have to time my marriage and my wedding around this project that's coming out. And there's just other things. And we feel right about having this quote unquote shorter engagement. We haven't announced the wedding date because we do want to just kind of keep that private as right now. For me, I don't think I'm rushing. I don't think that, I think I'm enjoying the engagement season. I'm having so much fun, but we're not doing like a three month, three month engagement. We're not doing a four month engagement. We're not doing a five month engagement. Like we've had, we're, we're having plenty of time, but also when you are a Christian and you are waiting for marriage, I also just want to set ourselves up for success because I've noticed that even in engagement season, it's weird having this tension and this like in between of like, okay, we are getting married, but we're not, we're not one yet, but we want to be one. So just purity wise, it's just smart. And I know I'm fully capable of planning a wedding in basically six months. And so that's kind of where we're at. And I just feel like a lot of people want to project their thoughts or their things or their fears or things that maybe they think onto you. And it's kind of where I'm at is like, I'm just kind of like, I don't know why it bothers people so much what we decide to do. And I am fully enjoying the engagement season. I'm fully in it. Like we're finding so much time to be present and enjoy it. And we've, we're having a blast, like honestly. So I think when people say like, you're not enjoying the engagement season, I'm like, but I am. And I think that's where it is a little frustrating when people are trying to make you feel a certain way or make you do things that they want to do. Because most people, they do have a year long engagement or even sometimes two years. And for that, for those people, I'm like, that's great. Like, you do what you want to do, but I think it's kind of frustrating when people try to tell you what to do or they're like, why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? And I'm kind of like, 
you know, why don't we just let people live? Like, why don't we just let people do what they want to do? Especially knowing that we are walking with wisdom. We're walking with discernment. We're walking in community. We are walking very prayerful. Everything so far with the wedding has just like worked out so perfectly and everything is falling into place. So like, I'm not stressed out. I'm so fully enjoying this season. Like we genuinely feel the Lord is in this and this is what timeline has worked for us. We also have to time it around holidays. So there's just multiple factors as to why we picked the date that we did. Originally, I thought it may be, you know, next year, but we both decided like, that's not what we want to do. And so, um, I don't think I'm rushing the wedding. I think everyone's going to have something to say, but I'm just going to kind of do what we feel is right and what God, you know, God's leading us in. And so that's kind of my thoughts on that. But I just wish more people would just understand that and not kind of like press their opinions on you because of what they think. So no, I don't think I'm rushing the wedding. I think the timeline we have is absolutely perfect. It's plenty of time to plan a wedding. I've seen so, so many of my friends plan a wedding in this time. So for us, I do think the timing is perfect. And I just wish more people would just be excited versus being worried because we really do walk with the Holy Spirit and we're trying our best to, you know, enjoy the season, but also still plan a wedding, which can be a little stressful. But we are not saying the wedding date yet. We don't really want to share that yet. There's some things that we want to keep kind of sacred and special. And so that's kind of why we haven't announced it yet. So some people may think like, oh my gosh, you're getting engaged in two months, which which is totally not true. There's still plenty of time. So, you know, don't worry, we've got this. What does Caleb do for a living? So Caleb actually works in healthcare recruiting and he's done that for a good bit. Would you ever consider getting married in Guatemala or Germany? I'm from Guatemala as well. Nice. That's so awesome. I love that. So we did consider that. We totally, totally did. But again, with the timeline, if you want to do a destination wedding, you need at least a year. And we just realized we didn't want to do that. So we are definitely trying to figure out ways to go visit both those countries because I definitely want to show Caleb more of my culture and more of my family. But the cool thing is my German and Guatemalan family, they will be coming to the wedding. I'm inviting both those sides, which is going to be so, so fun. I get to see my grandma from Guatemala. Her name is Maita and she's getting really old. So I don't know like how much longer she has left. So I'd love for her to come. But um, we have definitely considered, but we're going to try to find ways to kind of just still embrace those cultures and eventually invite Caleb into those culture, cultures as well. But my family has talked about so many times going to either one of those countries because um, we have yet to go as an entire family. But y'all, just to try to get the amount of people in my family plus six children to go to one of these countries is very difficult. So I think just one day I'm just gonna have to go with Caleb and maybe my sisters and just do that. <laughs> But that's the answer. Someone asked me, are you waiting to have sex until marriage? And yes, we are. Was your first kiss with Caleb awkward? I feel like all my past first kisses, kisses have been cringe. <laughs> so, um, yes and no. Honestly, this is actually a really funny story. And I hope he doesn't get mad at me for sharing this. But our first kiss was like pretty like accidental. I told Caleb, I said, hey, I don't want to kiss you until we are boyfriend and girlfriend. And we were on a date earlier that day. I think this was like early on in the in the relationship, but we were on a date earlier that day. And um, I hope he, I feel like I should save this for when he's actually here, but we were on a date earlier that day. And I think I said something that made him believe that I told him to kiss me, which was not true. Like, I think I looked at him and I said something and he took that as me saying like, I want you to kiss me. And so he just plants one on me and I literally like, like stood back and I was like, whoa. 
And I was not expecting it. Like, I, it wasn't like there was a moment where, like, we, like, were, like, oh, now we know we're going to kiss. Like, I looked at him because, like, obviously I was into him. I, like, I looked up at him and I was, like, oh. And then he just plants went on me. And I was, like, wait, like, I, and I, like, literally, literally, literally told him later. I was, like, you know that, like, I didn't say kiss me, right? And he was, like, yes, you did. I was, like, no, like, I actually didn't. So it was kind of funny because I had told them like, I want to wait till we're like officially dating. Cause that was like this new boundary I had set for myself and it didn't happen. So <laughs> it's kind of funny, but I'm sure he has a different thought and maybe we'll talk about that on another podcast, but it wasn't like awkward, but it was just kind of like so surprising to me and I was not expecting it. So that's kind of funny. Okay. So someone asked me, why didn't you go dress shopping with your mom? So my mom's actually in Alaska right now and I'm trying to just get appointments done because in order to get a dress, like they run out either quickly or with alterations, you need to get it like months, months in advance before your wedding. So I wanted just to start looking now. And my mom can be a little opinionated and not like the things that I like. So sometimes she makes it a little bit more stressful, but I already told her I want her to go back with me next week to look at some dresses I liked already. So I am going to bring her next time with me, but she was in Alaska right now visiting my sister. How are you navigating wedding opinions? It's been so hard for me. That is a very good question because you're absolutely right. I am getting so many opinions, so many thoughts. Uh, and I think what I've tried to do now is be very careful who I let in on my certain opinions, because as I was saying earlier, everyone's going to have something to say. People want to project their fears or their thoughts or things that they want for their wedding onto your wedding. And you ultimately just have to feel good with you and your partner and maybe just like your close people about what you're doing in the timeline and what you guys are selecting. So I would just be very careful. Like honestly, sometimes you have to set boundaries or you have to tell somebody like, Hey, I'm not comfortable sharing that because everybody will have something to say. And so I feel like you almost just kind of have to be selective and picky on who you share all the information with because some people are a just like nosy or they just want to like gossip or they don't really care and they just want to know so I just think that you've got to find a boundary and a balance for yourself of who you want to let in and not let in and just make it ultimately about you and your partner like it's ultimately this is your wedding, your day. And that's something I've been praying through is a lot of people pleasing because I notice I'm a very big people pleaser. So praying through like, God, does this honor you? You know, is this good for my relationship? Does this bring us closer? Like making sure that you and your partner are good first and foremost, and that you and God are good. And just making sure that that's like, that's good and that's secure. And then choose like only a couple people, but the rest, like I've even had people ask me so many questions and I've just haven't answered. I've just been like, yeah, I don't know yet because I don't feel comfortable asking quite yet because as soon as I let people know, they immediately come with assumptions or opinions. And a lot of these people, they do come from a good place, but I think there's something sacred about the engagement season that you're building a foundation together of, okay, we're building a team. We're building a foundation. We're building trust with each other. And so just think about that, but just be careful with how many people you are letting in. And just ask yourself, like, if someone's throwing an opinion, is this something I genuinely want? Is this something I genuinely believe? Or am I doing this because someone said so? What were the signs slash feelings that confirmed that Caleb was the one? So within this month, I'm actually going to do a whole episode on my thoughts with this because there's a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of thoughts, more than I can say in just this one episode. So just stay tuned and I will share a bigger episode of that. Okay, this is a great question. 
how do I share my story? And I'm a very big um, proponent of sharing your story at the right time, when you've healed, when you feel like it's a good environment. But a lot of the times, the Bible says, I believe in Revelations 12, 2, that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony, which basically means, A, we find freedom and we find salvation, A, by the blood of the lamb, which means Jesus. We find freedom from him down on the cross and him shedding blood. And then secondly, by the word of our testimony, which means our testimonies, our stories have the power to set other people free. How many times have you ever heard someone's story and you've been like, wow, I resonate with that. I relate to that. Like that hits home to me because you feel connected. You feel like you can relate. You feel less alone. So there's so many times when our stories have the key to someone else's freedom, but we're just like either too scared to share or B, we don't feel ready, which is fine. Like both of those are fine. But at some point, we've got to step out in faith and become bold and be like, okay, Lord, you give me the words. Like the Bible even says, like, don't worry because Jesus, God says, I will give you the words to speak. Just like ask me and I will give you the words to speak. So whenever you're maybe talking to somebody and someone, maybe you hear someone say a slight comment of like, oh yeah, like, you know, I went to college and, you know, I used to drink or whatever. You find like, you kind of find a way to like connect with them. And you're like, oh my gosh, this is what I do. Like, oh my gosh, yes, I remember. Like, I went to college and when I was there, that was one of my biggest struggles was alcohol. I'm kind of just making this up, but my biggest struggle was alcohol. And, you know, I went to this youth ministry or this ministry and someone prayed over me and I felt like the Lord just like spoke to me. And like from that day forward, I felt like a new creation or whatever. Like, it doesn't have to be so Christianese in the way you talk, but you're basically finding ways to connect to them and finding ways to share your story and just be honest, be, be vulnerable, but don't have to have this perfect formula. It doesn't have to be, like I said, all Christianese or like a specific, you know, script in your head. Like I, there's been so many times where I've just been like, oh yeah, like I'm from Dallas and I moved to California when I was there, you know, that's where I really genuinely found the Lord. And I met this one mentor and she poured into me. And so it just really comes from conversations and asking people questions. The best way to, to get to share your story is ask someone their story. Hey, where did you come from? What was your upbringing? What was your childhood like? Do you have a faith? Where do you stand? What are your thoughts on this? Ask them their questions, ask them questions. And then if they ask you back, that's when we can share. Or if they don't, you can even say, well, do you mind if I share my story a little bit with you? And you can share how you overcame through Jesus, how you overcame the sins, the struggles, or the things that you went through. So that's just like one way, but mainly it's just asking people questions and also being bold and praying in the moment, God, give me the words to say. It doesn't have to be perfect. You don't have to save someone right in that second, but you're planting seeds and that's what really matters. You got this. What is your wedding vibe? My wedding vibe is modern luxury, very elegant, very timeless, very classy, I don't want anything farmy, boho, DIY, which I'm not really trying to hurt anyone's feelings. That's just kind of where I'm at. There will be some DIY things like signage, stuff like that, but I don't want anything to feel DIY. I want it to be super fun. I want people to just have the literal time of their lives dancing, but I want the ceremony to feel so God-centered, so godly, um, full of worship. Just I want it to feel like God is in the room, like his presence is filling that room. 
But I also want people to have fun. I don't want anything to get too crazy. I don't want anything being sloppy. Um, but I want people to have a good time. And we just want to, we're trying to think of fun ways to make our wedding very unique because I have been to easily like, gosh, 40 plus weddings. And so sometimes they can kind of feel a little bit blurred with each other. So I really want to find weddings that stick out and I want my wedding to stick out. So like, for example, one of my friends, he got married on New Year's Eve. The, him and his wife did karaoke and it was so fun. They did karaoke. There was donuts. They had Celsius. They made like a little midnight party that stuck out to me. And that's kind of something I'm trying to think. I'm like, how can I make this wedding different? So, but that's like kind of my theme is very like glamorous, neutral, modern, luxurious, lots of flowers is what I want. So yeah. What is your definition of wellness? Okay. So I've never thought about this answer. Let me think about that. Okay, what is wellness for me? Wellness is basically what I talk about on this podcast about being healthy physically, mentally, spiritually, and emotionally. Wellness can look like eating clean, having healthy thoughts, time with the Lord, feeling peace, feeling healthy, feeling full of energy, like I'm getting good rest, I'm drinking water, I'm satiating my body with nutritious foods, um, feeling just like rejuvenated in the morning, knowing that my thought life is good, not feeling anxious. Um, my skin is glowing. I feel fit. I feel active. I feel motivated. I feel disciplined. Um, that just like my overall life just feels healthy. You know what I mean? So I don't know. I think for me, that is kind of what wellness looks like is that I'm, I'm learning and my thought life is healthy and that I have good friendships and, um, I feel peace and my time with the Lord is good and I'm not believing lies and I'm getting good rest. I'm eating healthy because when I don't feel like I'm eating well, that's when I notice I'm bloated. I feel lethargic. My skin gets weird. Um, I just don't feel my best. And so I think fueling my body with certain things is so great. Working out at least four to five times a week, going on walks, um, consuming good things in my brain, whether that's podcasts or I'm learning, I'm listening, audiobooks, stuff like that. I think it's an all-consuming part of your lifestyle. It's just not one size fits all. It's not one aspect of your life. It is all aspects, mentally, physically, spiritually, and emotionally, consistently taking these into check. And I think that is wellness. It's genuinely feeling joy. It's feeling peaceful. It's feeling excited. It's feeling refreshed. It's feeling, um, just, you know, healthy throughout your day where you feel, where you just feel balanced in your day and you feel where you feel I'm struggling. My brain is starting to fry. I don't know. I guess where you just feel peaceful and at rest throughout your day. I'm going to leave it at that <laughs> advice for the college girl in depression who feels like everything is so purposeless. And first of all, I'm just so sorry that that's what you are experiencing. I know I felt that way in college a bit. I think something that I want to encourage you to do is just try to find people around you because oftentimes we're struggling and we're struggling alone. So does that look like getting into a community group or a Bible study or something, a group at your college to find people that can pray for you and pour into you? Secondly, um, I would say getting in the word, finding hope and finding peace and finding joy from the Lord and letting him be your anchor, I would definitely in this time read Psalms because David in the book of Psalms, he laments all the time. He always says to God, like, where are you? How much, how much longer must I wait on you? He felt very despair. So just so you know, there's people in the Bible, even like Job, 
that too felt depressed, that too felt despair, that too felt like, God, where are you? So I would definitely recommend leading, reading either Job or reading Psalm and reading Proverbs in a time like that. And three, sometimes I think when we do feel a little purposeless, I think how can we go and find purpose in blessing other people or helping other people? Because sometimes I think when we're focused only inwardly, we can feel a little bit purposeless. And so oftentimes when people find the most purposeful is when they're solving a problem or they're trying to find a solution to something or they're helping somebody or they're putting their time and their energy into someone else that too needs love or needs something. And so maybe can you go volunteer or can you go find someone else to bless? Because often that's where we find peace and we find purpose is mainly in helping other people. When we take our eyes off of ourselves and we put them back onto somebody else. Now, I'm not saying that necessarily solves depression if that's something you're genuinely going through where you can't even get out of bed. But I think what's difficult is I, I don't know if I'm the exactly the best person to ask because to be honest, I've never really gone through severe depression or anxiety. I've been through high moments of anxiety, but I knew what was causing that. But I know some people genuinely struggle with that. So maybe that is talking to a doctor, talking to a counselor, talking to a mentor, a pastor. But I just think overall, the word of God, friendships, serving other people, and just crying out to the Lord, and then maybe talking to someone. So please don't suffer alone if that is what you are feeling. How do I know if my relationship is not for me anymore? That is so crazy. So yeah, that's a pretty scary thought. And I know a lot of people actually feel this because, you know, like you could be dating someone and you're like, okay, like they are a good person. I do like them, but like, is this the best person? So, you know, I think sometimes when you are wrestling through that, it's a good wrestle to have, but if you're consistently feeling torn and confused about like, is this the person? Is it not? Is this right? Is it wrong? That's a good wrestle. Maybe write down the pros and the cons of the person and the relationship, but you ultimately have to ask yourself if you are dating a godly person, is this person pointing me back towards Christ? Is this person making me better? Is this person bringing out the best side of me? Or are they causing more chaos and more confusion? And are they pulling me away from Christ? Are they not making me look more like Jesus? Do they pull me away from my friends or who I really feel like God is calling me to be because you want to be with somebody who instead is encouraging you, uplifting you, bringing out a better side in you, refining the bad parts about you and ultimately always pointing you back towards the word of God. So if this person is instead pushing your boundaries and pushing you towards the bedroom and not pushing you closer to Christ, that may not be the best person for you. Or actually, let me just say a blank statement. I don't think that's the person for you. And I don't know your situation. I'm not trying to be judgmental because I've been there. I've done that. But I'm so glad that I look back now and I'm out of those relationships that did make me look more like Christ because they actually made me feel more insecure or they played games with my heart or it pulled me away from Christ or there was just always a wrestle inside of me where like I remember dating this one guy specifically and I remember just like sitting next to him and looking at him and he didn't know that I was looking at him. But I remember just like looking at him being like, this is not God's best. And like, I could easily make this relationship work. I could easily be like, okay, God, like he loves the Lord. He's good looking. He's this, he's that, whatever. I could have made that work. But I look back now and I'm so glad that the Holy Spirit pinged my spirit into letting me know, like, clearly I'm showing you something for a reason. So you really want to lean into that spirit, into that intuition, to that gut feeling of something is wrong 
Now, even though you may be with the right person, sometimes you will still question it, but the Lord will continue to show you. So my encouragement, because I even had a friend last night who she's struggling whether to continue dating this guy or not. I was like, what has the Lord said? And she's like, I don't know. And I was like, I encourage you fast and pray. I remember fasting and praying in my relationship with Caleb very, very early on. And the Lord showed up and the Lord showed me. We took a fast from each other, ended up actually literally fasting from food, praying that day, journaling that day. And I had two people specifically speak things to me about Caleb. And so I was like, wow. So I encourage you before doing anything crazy or impulsive, fast and take a day apart from him or even don't, don't even let him and just don't even let him know that you're fasting because typically and biblically, we're not supposed to let people know we're fasting. So take a day where you don't eat, you just drink water, take a day where you're not over-exercising and just sit with the Lord and say, God, speak to me, show me. And if he doesn't show you, do it again in a, in a week and really think and pray about this before making a very big decision because, you know, someone else's heart, on the, heart is on the line, but you do want to get clarity from the Lord, whether this is right or wrong. So fast and pray and also process with your friends. Hey, what do you think? Do you think this is a good person for me? Do you think this person's making me look more like Christ? Have you seen me become a better person than dating this person? If not, you really want to validate that. You don't want to marry someone that is not refining you and sharpening you and making you look more like Christ. Like I promise you, because inevitably they will ultimately pull you away from Christ. They'll start to change you and you won't end up liking who you are. And you'll get so far down the road and you'll be like, wait, like who, who, who even am I anymore? Like, I don't even recognize myself and I would hate that to happen to you. So take some time apart, pray, journal through it, write the pros and cons, and really ask yourself these challenging questions because it could potentially be a life-altering decision if, not potentially, if you do marry this person, it is a actual life-altering decision. So really, really take time to think and pray about that. How to dress modestly for the summer. Is it appropriate to wear cheeky bathing suits? A lot of people have been asking me about modesty and I do think this might be a separate podcast. Overall, I am someone that is generally like, I genuinely generally want to promote quote unquote modesty. Now, I think the word is just kind of weird and it's a little taboo and it comes with all these negative stigmas around this word modesty because people like immediately when you say the word modesty, you think that we are like shaming women. We're telling them that they're, you know, a whore if they show their stomach or that they are being slutty if they wear this or where their boobs are out or whatever. Like I'm never here to shame anybody. However, for me personally, and what I think just is wise is to not flaunt your goodies. Like personally, I just don't want anyone looking at my goodies all the time. I personally do not love cheeky, cheeky bikinis. Now I don't wear the full like diaper feeling bikini bottoms. I don't like to wear thongs. I don't like anything that overshows my butt. I like just like a medium swimsuit basically. And I don't like anything that really has my boobs popping out too much, but you've got to pray through that God would give you the conviction yourself because I can't be here telling you what's right and what's wrong. Like you've got to pray through the conviction yourself because I know there were times when I was wearing certain things and I was like, I don't feel convicted, but that was when I wasn't following the Lord. Like I would wear back in the day when I wasn't walking with the Lord in California, I would wear these really cheeky bikinis. And I did it when, if I am so brutally honest with myself, if I look back, I remember posting photos and wearing these bikinis because I wanted male attention. So you have got to ask yourself, what are my intentions? Why am I doing this? Am I doing this because I want approval? I want affirmation. I want attention. I'm going to the beach because I, I want someone to be like, man, you look so good. Dang, shoddy. Your booty is popping. Like 
you've got to ask yourself, why do I want to wear this? And now like, I don't feel like I need that male attention. I don't need someone to be like, dang, you look so good. Like I wear it because I want to, but I also know that a godly woman, she doesn't really need to flaunt her body. I don't want to really flaunt my body. I like to feel cute and certain dresses. I like to feel sexy, but for me, sexy is different. Like that isn't necessarily wearing the shortest dress or having my cleavage pop out. I personally like to wear things I feel good in, but it still covers you know, what a bikini would cover my boobs, my butt. I don't mind a crop top, but also for me, a crop top is different for some people because I have the shortest torso. So like literally you'll see like maybe an inch of my stomach. So for me, I don't feel really convicted about that. There are certain things that I have felt convicted about. Like specifically, I would post a lot of bikini pictures back in the day. And I realized like, I don't want a man to go to my Instagram page and do some dirty things to my photos because I have talked to men and they have told me that that is what men do. So I know that's disgusting to hear and you maybe don't want to hear that, but that is what men do. And I remember someone specifically telling me that he would do certain things to girls bikini photos. And I am like, there's no way in freaking heck that I am putting my body out there for a man to do that to my photos. So I know that is a men problem. That's disgusting, but I am not going to give the bait to even let them do that because sorry, nope, that is literally reserved for my future husband for Caleb down the road. So that's kind of where like I think about it is I'm like, I don't want a man going to my pictures and zooming in and looking at my butt cheeks. Like I'd rather just not put that on the internet. And it's weird because sometimes I am wearing a bikini in photos or I'm taking I'm at the beach, I'm taking pictures and I'm like, dang, like, I wish I could post this. But again, I try to check my intentions. Okay, why do I want to post this? You know what I mean? So a lot of it is heart posture, intentions, asking yourself these questions, getting with the Lord. And I think sometimes the more that you spend time with the Lord and you know him and you, and you dwell with him, the more you don't typically want to necessarily flaunt your body. So I am not here to shame you. I'm not here to be like, you have to do this and you're a scum of the earth if you do this. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying, check your intentions as to why you want to post certain things. So I don't know. I just don't feel like I need necessarily the approval of people and of men online for, I don't need that. So I don't feel like I need to post that. But there are times sometimes when I'm like, dang, like I'm at the beach. I want to be able to post a photo and I'm not trying to hide the fact that I'm wearing a bikini because I am wearing bikinis. I also do love one pieces, but I'm wearing bikinis, but I don't try to wear bikinis that are just showing all the goodies. So pray through it and maybe just think about it a little bit more. But I think generally, you know, it's probably not best to be flaunting all, you know, your goodies that the Lord has blessed you with. Save that for your spouse, like leave some room for imagination for your future spouse and just be careful when you're posting online, knowing that there's some men that we, you know, we don't know that are doing certain things to our photos. Just be careful. And I know that's a man's problem. He's got to work on his lust. He's got to work on his things. But I also don't want to offer that willingly and freely to some random stranger online to do things to my photos. You know what I mean? So I know that's a hot take. Don't come for me. Just my thoughts. Love (laughs) y'all. Oh, this is a great question. And I was just reading a lot about waiting yesterday. So someone said, why do you think God has us wait for answered prayers? And I think there's actually a couple reasons why God has us wait for anything. And I'm going to grab my journal really fast because I wrote this down yesterday. So hold on. So I had Bible study last night and we read through Psalm 25 last night, which I'm so glad that I did this because I think it's very applicable to 
this question, but in Psalm 25, um, this is David who wrote the Psalms. He says, um, to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. Oh my God, in you, I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exult over me. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. They shall be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. For you, I wait all the day long. Now, read the whole Psalm 25. It's so good. But when I was reading that, I was like, man, there, and there's like a couple other things in this where it says like, wait, wait, wait. And most of the book of Psalm, David talks about waiting on the Lord. There's so many verses, wait on the Lord, wait on the Lord. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength like eagles. And there's so many verses about waiting. And so what I wrote down in Bible study is I said, none who wait on God's perfect timing and will are let down and will be put to shame. So I think sometimes God has us wait because there is something that is produced in us in the waiting season that we would have never gotten otherwise. Because if we're just getting everything we want, we snap our fingers, we pray, we get the prayer answered the next day, we wouldn't have like any patience. We would just be like, oh, dope. Like he's a magic genie. He's a vending machine. Push the button. I get it. But sometimes, you know, we are wanting more the thing that we're asking for than we actually want the presence of God. Sometimes we're wanting things from God more than we are just wanting God. And I think that's where we have to challenge ourselves and ask ourselves, like, am I going to be okay if I never get this thing? Do I trust in God's character? Do I still believe in who he is? Do I believe that he is so good and wants good things for me and that he knows better than I do? Or am I just going to consistently only view him, view him as my magic genie or my Santa Claus? Because There's things that God wants to produce in us with patience. That is the fruit of the spirit is patience. And everybody needs to work on patience. Every single person, like when you're waiting in line, when you're in traffic, when you're waiting for a spouse, when you're waiting for someone to call you back for maybe something you've been praying for, a job offer, a degree, or sorry, a college, or there's things produced in you in that waiting time that God is working in you. You know what I mean? There's certain fruit of the spirit that is produced in those waiting seasons that we need to work on. So if you are rushing God's timing or you're trying to force things or manipulate things, then it isn't God's perfect will. It's not God's perfect timing. But when you wait on God, you will never, ever, ever be put to shame. Like that's what this Bible verse is saying. You will never be put to shame because you can point back to God and say, that was only God. And when God shows up, it is absolutely worth the wait. It is absolutely amazing. Everyone's going to be like, how did you get that? And you can say, it was the Lord. And when it is God, it is so unfathomably beautiful and amazing and incredible because it was from God. And he never gives you second best. He never gives you scraps. He never gives you less than great, you know? So when you wait on him, you will not be put to shame. And it says that David, I said, David waits for God. So we will also have to wait. If the wisest man, because David asked God one day, like God said, what do you want? And he said, make me wise. So David was the wisest man. So if even the wisest man in the Bible has to wait, no one is immune from waiting. So don't feel bad or feel guilty if you have to wait because everybody in some shape or form has to wait for a house, for a job, for a spouse, for, um, you know, 
to get accepted to a college, like I said, like whatever the case may be, everyone has to wait in some shape or form. But he shows his will, because it says in Psalm, in this book, in Psalm 25, he shows his will to the people who are humble, obedient, and that fear him. Do not lose your integrity and your uprightness while you wait. Because I think a lot of times when we're waiting, we get impatient or we're frustrated or we're like, I'm just going to take matters into my own hands. Like, I'm sick of waiting on you, God, so I'm going to do this. So what you do is you end up taking matters into your own hands and you contrive or you manipulate or you control the situation and then it doesn't turn out the way that you would have wanted because you did not wait on the Lord. Then you end up getting like less than great or you end up getting second best and you compromise your integrity, which the Bible says in this verse to not compromise your integrity. It says he leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble the way and all the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness. There's another one in here. May integrity and uprightness preserve me for I wait for you. So even David is saying, man, even though I'm so frustrated and I'm waiting and I'm frustrated, he's basically saying, I, I want my integrity and my uprightness to preserve me while I wait. So do not compromise and do not compromise integrity while you wait because you just want something so badly. It's just not worth it. And then when you put it into your own hands and matters into your own hands, then that's when you get ashamed because you're like, shoot. This didn't work out. This actually wasn't as good as I thought. I'm the one that made this happen. I'm the one that forced this to happen. And then you feel a little bit dumb and embarrassed because you were the one that made it happen. You see what I'm saying? So being upright means to have purity, honesty, obedience, goodness, and to be blameless. So while you're waiting, can you embody these characteristics? Purity, honesty, obedience, goodness, integrity. Don't compromise these characteristics because of your impatienceness. Impatienceness. It's just not worth it. So those are my thoughts. Waiting is worth it. And sometimes it's just solely to have God ask you, do you trust me? Do you trust me? You know what I mean? Because it has to, the season has to produce a certain fruit and characteristic in us that we would have not gotten otherwise. And I hope that helps. That was a long-winded answer, but y'all know what I mean. All right, I'm going to answer just a couple more, and we are going to wrap up. Okay, so someone asked me, how are you genuinely doing? And I genuinely am doing really well. I, I do find myself being a bit stressed out with the amount of things because I am still working and I'm still meet. I'm like doing two Bible studies a week right now and trying to plan a wedding, planning a honeymoon, um, planning a bachelorette trip all within the same time, working on brand deals, working on this other project that's coming out later next year and working on merch, which is really exciting. So I will have meetings for that in the next 20 minutes. And it's been really, really good. But there are definitely times when I have to just be like, <sighs> OK, I got this we're fine. Like I can be a little bit stressed out and I am someone that is a high capacity person. But when I feel like there's just so much going on, I find myself to be really overwhelmed and have more anxiety, but I don't think there's anything I can't handle. So I'm still trying to find pockets of rest days where I take off like Saturday. I'm going to try to just take off and just enjoy the day and not work and not wedding plan and all that stuff. So everything is good. I still find myself being in a good spot. I haven't been having as quality of time with the Lord as much as I wanted to. So today I purposely 
took a break. I didn't work out this morning. I sat with the Lord. I tried to journal and read extra longer and pray because I know that if I don't take a time to just step back and just be present with the Lord, I'm going to find myself being rushed and hurried and full of anxiety and a lack of peace. So I made that a priority this morning just to listen to my body and just take a breath. But I'm good. Thank you for asking. There's just a lot going on. Okay, so I've actually had a couple of people ask me this, but her name was actually Janine, which is kind of dope. So she said, um, how to avoid ministry burnout, what to do once you feel burnout from ministry. So I think this is actually a very common thing And once I I actually felt this one time too, where I was doing so, so much during the pandemic where I was leading weekly Bible studies. I was posting daily on the Abide Tribe page. I was doing daily live streams, reading the Bible verses or reading chapters. And I was doing that every single day and weekly to where I did end up feeling burnt out. And I think sometimes you just have to kind of question yourself again of like, okay, Lord, like, am I doing this with a pure intention? And sometimes we're not always going to have the purest intentions. Like, let's just be honest. We're not, but it's asking yourself that like, okay, have I been blurring the lines with doing this? Because I think this is going to make me look like a better Christian, or I'm trying to work for my salvation or work for my faith. Or, um, am I doing this because I know it makes me look good. So there's certain things that you need to do. So when I think when you start to see your intentions, get less than best or not as godly or as honoring, then maybe you should take a step back. And it doesn't always mean you need to do that for forever because I think sometimes some people take a step back for too long and then they never want to get back into it because they're like, oh, that was toxic. That was bad. I don't think that we're meant to take a step back from ministry for the rest of our lives. And ministry is not a one type of thing. Like it doesn't always mean serving at the church or working for the pastor or whatever, like ministry can come in many shapes or form. But I do think it's important that no matter what we do, we should always be doing some shape or form of ministry, whether that is ministering to the person outside the grocery store, sharing the good news, posting online, actually working at a church, like ministry looks different for everybody. Some people may want to literally go abroad and share the faith and the hope of Jesus in a different third world country, or maybe that's in your neighborhood. So Ministry is always, ministry doesn't always have to be a one size fits all of working at the church, but a lot of people can feel a little bit burnt out because they're volunteering and it's very time consuming. So maybe that could even look like just going to your pastor or whomever and just saying, Hey, do you mind if I just take two weeks off just to get myself right, to spend time with the Lord where I just, I just need a little bit of a break. I'm feeling burnt out take some Sabbath, take a rest, take a break from social media, take a fasting and praying, go on a trip by yourself or just be present in your home and and spend time with the Lord and just you and some friends. And I think it's okay that you feel burnt out. Like don't feel guilty for feeling burnt out because I think a lot of people feel bad. Like, am I a bad Christian? Am I a bad person? Because I feel tired, but it is like a job, you know, like in any job that you can feel burnt out. So I know there's times for me where I just have to take a step back and, and not feel guilty for feeling burnt out because I think a lot of people feel really ashamed for feeling like that. So don't let the enemy shame you or guilt trip you into being, um, you know, burnt out from that because it can be very time consuming. It can be a lot of energy and emotions and you're putting your heart out there consistently. So don't feel bad about that, but just making sure you always are checking your heart and your, and like, why am I doing this? Is this something I still feel God is calling me to do? Don't do anything out of impulse. Really pray through your decisions and bring people into that, making sure you're letting people know at your church or wherever you're at, hey, I'm feeling a little burnt out. What should I do? 
taking nights off for yourself, maybe take a night where you are completely off your phone. You're not doing any ministry and just resting because sometimes I think people can feel like we have to constantly 24 seven be doing ministry, 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 where sometimes you just need to turn your brain off and just be with the Lord and be with a friend and be with a safe person and just turn that off for a second. And so don't feel guilt tripped into doing anything, but do everything with pure intentions, godliness, wanting to absolutely honor the Lord, honor the people around you, honoring your church or wherever you're at. And maybe just taking a Sabbath for a week, a weekend, a day, and expressing those concerns or those needs to someone at your church. And then find what works for you. That means, you know, stepping off the team for just a semester and then eventually going back because I know some pastors, they get so burnt out that they need to take an entire semester off or an entire year off. And that's why it's called Sabbath. Like so many of them need to do that. So that way they come back and they're they're coming from a place of being like restored and refueled and refreshed. And they're coming from a filled cup of speaking to their congregation versus coming from a place of like, what am I going to talk about this week? Because they haven't been abiding in the Lord. So the number one absolute priority is, am I abiding in the Lord? Do I feel like I'm close from the Lord? Am I filling, am I pouring into these people from a filled up cup or am I pouring from an empty cup and I'm just striving on my own? So always ask like, is everything I'm doing coming from a filled up cup? Now you won't always have seasons of that, but coming from a place to where you can, you know, come from a good godly place, a good honoring place and being in a place that is filled up and you have been abiding and seeking the Lord. And there you will feel like it's less burdensome because you are letting the Holy Spirit and you're letting the Father you know, pour out through you where you won't feel as burned out. So it comes in season, it comes in waves, but that is just my thought. I hope that helps. All right, you guys, that is my Q and A today. There are so many questions on here about dating. And so I will probably do another one of those, um, just down the road of dating. And a lot of people asking me like, how did you know Caleb's the one? What are red flags in a guy? Um, when, like, what are things we should avoid in a person? Just so many different things like that. I think there's a lot of people just wanting to know about dating and marriage. And so I'll do another podcast down the road. But for now, that is my Q&A. Thank you guys for hanging out with me. I know this was probably a little bit of a longer episode. I'm actually not exactly sure what the timing was, but I pray this was a blessing to you guys. As always, I'm looking forward to hanging out with you guys the whole rest of the month and you guys just getting to hear from me. Um, I do have a couple ideas of solo episodes I want to do, but I'd love to always hear episodes that you guys want me to talk about on the happy and healthy podcast, or just feel free to DM me because I always want to make sure I'm giving you guys content that you want. But sometimes there's things where someone's asking me about and I'm just like, Hmm, I don't really know how to speak to that quite yet. Or maybe I haven't experienced it. So I never want to give an episode on something I haven't fully experienced or overcome or can speak from a genuine place. So, um, I hope you guys can understand, but I love you guys. Thank you so, so, so much for hanging out with me on today's episode of happy and healthy. I'm looking forward to seeing you guys. And again, next Tuesday for another episode of happy and healthy. And as always, you can hang out with us on the happy and healthy Instagram or my DMS or just comment on anything. I love seeing what you guys have to say. So I'll see you guys again next Tuesday for another episode. Until then, stay happy and healthy. Bye, guys. Bye.